mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, A Kindled Heart. His scripture text will be taken from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Here now, Pastor Moody. Let's go to James chapter 3. The Bible said, Now, uh, my brethren, verse number 1, be not many masters, knowing that we shall, re- that we shall receive the greater condemnation. That, that word really is a, maybe a mistranslation. It should have been responsibility, the greater responsibility. We, we're going to be held accountable for more. For in many things uh, we offend all. If any man uh, offend not in word the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Then he said, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn that horse, that whole body, that big powerful beast, amen, wherever we want to. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, a very small little paddle in the back of the boat. Amen, whithersoever the governor or the captain wants the boat to go. Look at verse number five. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. This, this next part of this verse is what God spoke to me from. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. I gave you examples of that this morning. But I believe there's a fire, amen, that appeared in the upper room that burns at the body of Christ, that uh, somebody sang a song years ago and said the flame has flickered, but it's never gone out. I feel that way today. I don't think that it's ever went out. Sometimes I think we just need to fan that flame. Paul said it like this to Timothy. He said, stir it up. Stir up the gift that's in you, that Holy Ghost gift. I want to preach this morning on a kindled fire. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness I know that without you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. And Lord, you are raising up ministers and prophets and prophecies are being spoken. And praise and worship is erupting across our country. And Father, we just ask that you would let it erupt here. Lord, the ministry uh, for this end time, let it not be dormant here but let the fire, let us kindle a fire that will erupt into an uncontrollable blaze of holiness and righteousness and salvation and healings and miracles and, and the, just God, a great manifestation of you in your glory for the world to see that we might change the world and turn things back to normal or back to God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah, yes, praise the Lord. I think this illustration that we read in James of the power of the tongue is so graphic and so readily associated by many of us most of the time in a negative tone. 
because that's the way it was spoken. If you, can, you know, people can't bridle the tongue and, and it kindles fires. And how many's ever been hurt by gossip or things that have been misspoke? Or uh, I used to have when I was years ago when I worked in the plant. We there was we were at union plant and our union rep was a teamster and he was I think he was from that gangster age. He carried a gun about half the time and he was a rough one. And uh, they were negotiating a contract and some things were told that weren't true. And sitting with the president of the company and, and the plant leaders and all that, he looked at him one day and he said, I'll tell you about this place. He said, you could put a feather in the front door and it'll be a flock of geese when it goes out the back. Amen. That's, that's kind of what, what I'm talking about here. And uh, so many times this, this tongue uh, is, is, is represented by negative experiences that it has become... So often a familiar, familiar rebuke this portion of Scripture has. Yet, can I say it this way? I'd like to flip that spiritual coin to the other side. And uh, I want to tell you that even though the tongue is a little member, it's like a bit in a horse's mouth or the helm of a ship, it boasts great things and it causes them to happen. Things happen because of words, can you say amen? I mean, it's going to help me preach this morning. And for this word, I think, could be taken in a good sense because I think that a bridled, sanctified tongue that is influenced by the grace of God, directed by the Holy Ghost, can achieve great and good things. I remember one time being in a very precarious position in my life, in my ministry, and Personally, I was like a shipwreck. Things were going crazy in my life. I was praying. I was seeking God. I was pastoring. I was doing everything that I could. We had taken a large group of young people to, to Barberville one year. This was many years ago. And on the Friday night of the service, as usually was, Tommy Bates was preaching. And it was going great. And, I, you know, I, you know I'm out there, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and, Really, everything's burning down around me, but I'm out there just, you know, just trying to shout my way through it. And I'll never forget this. Tommy Bates was preaching. All of a sudden, he stopped. And I'm out there in the middle of all those hundreds of people. And he pointed his finger right up towards me, and he said, where is he? And he said, there he is. He said, Brother Moody. I thought, what in the world does he want, you know? And he began to prophesy and say a word over me. And in just a moment's time, he touched three areas that were critical in my life. And nobody knew what he was talking about but me, I don't guess. And the Holy Ghost began at that moment to, to shift things in my life. That was a word in season, can you say amen? That's how God does things. I, I started to think like this, it has great power, the tongue does, when it's influenced by the Holy Ghost. It carries great weight, can you say amen? It can get things done and influence. Proverbs 10 and verse 20 said, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. Amen. And the heart of the wicked is of little worth. In verse number 21, he said, the lips of the righteous feed many. Amen. But fools die for want of wisdom. I, I want to tell you that God's got people that can speak his word. Amen. And you are those people. We are his voice. Can somebody say amen in the world today? Paul said, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Come on, somebody. We are uh, 
oftentimes depend on others to do what God has called us to do. Proverbs 37 and 30 said, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of judgment. And verse 31 said, because the law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. I want to tell you, if we're not careful, whoo, I feel the Lord. We'll listen and be uh, you know, influenced by circumstances and what everybody else is saying. And yet God is trying to tell us that the righteous speaks wisdom because the law of God is in his heart. And when you get a word from God, I want to tell somebody this morning, you can build your life on it, amen. When God speaks, nothing can change what God God has said, hallelujah. Give him praise if you would. I thought like this, the gospel is preached by Christ's faithful ministers and, and, and witnesses and singers and church workers who are the church's tongue. And when it comes not only in word only but in power, it's the power of God, the Bible says, unto salvation. Think about that. When, when you speak a word in season, when you are anointed of God, when you share the gospel with a dying, lost person, glory to God, I've come to tell you that God is able to save a soul. Isn't that great? Glory to God. And uh, Brother Jim Hansen, I think the trouble is sometimes we let uh, you know, intimidation, we let... Uh, Come on, somebody. Oh, I feel something happening in me right now. Glory to God. We let intimidation, we let the concern about the masses, amen, that it's going to stop us. And Linda, I remember when we were in Zambia and I preached one night, why sit here till we die? And I didn't know this, but they told me later, <laughs> that while I was preaching, the witch doctors from those villages had gathered out behind that crowd that they estimated to be seven or 8,000 people. And while I was up there preaching, they were back there trying to build fires because they would do incantations and, and they would throw things in the fire and it would distract people. And, and they told me, they said, these witch doctors have made people sick and they've, they've killed preachers by their incantations. But I was up there preaching that night and one of the pastors told me, said they reported to him that every time those witch doctors would try to build a fire, it would go out. Is anybody hearing me? It wouldn't burn. And I don't think it's because I'm some great thing, but there was a body of people in Richmond, Kentucky that was covering us with prayer. And we went there in the anointing of the Holy Ghost and we preached that night. And Jonathan McBride told me later, he said, they are telling us that 2,000 of those people came forward and gave their hearts to Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? We cannot let influences of evil, influences of darkness, we cannot let intimidation stifle what we're doing. I think it's time that we get our fixings out and start building a fire. Come on, somebody. I think it's time that we get the wood. Come on, we get the flame. I think it's time we take the word of God. I feel the Holy Ghost and the anointing of the Spirit and start a fire. Hallelujah. That's going to illuminate this darkness that we're in in this world. Oh, glory to God. Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. You know, souls are converted by the anointed word. But, but can I go a little bit farther? People are comforted by the anointed word. 
How many of you can say that? I've, I've had the word of God to comfort me. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path, oh God. I want to tell you, 42 years I've been in this book. I've lived it. I've breathed it. I've ate it, it slept it, and drank it. Can you hear me? I've let it be the, the guide for my life. It's been my conscience, amen. When my flesh wanted to go one way, it was that word. David said, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin. Oh, come on, somebody. I've come to tell you there's something about taking the, the uh, effective elements that God has given us and begin to start a fire. You need to kindle a fire. Amen. You might say, amen, I feel like my fire's gone out. Well, if it's gone completely out, get back in the word. Get back on your knees. Seek God till the winds of Pentecost begin to blow in fresh fire begins to fall in your life one more time. I'm here to tell you God will start a fire. God will rekindle a flame. Glory to God, I'm telling you. There's something about making an effort, glory to God, to say, God, I want my fire to burn. Hallelujah. That causes things to happen. Give him praise if you would. I was telling you about Jeremiah. Jeremiah said this. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, he said, I'll give you pastors according to my heart. And God was saying, there, there are those that have, that have failed and those that have backslid and those that have let the fire go out. But Jeremiah said, my fire won't go out. And God said, I'll give, you fire, I'll give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and an understanding. And listen, I thought like this, as believers, we must be aware of the impact and the uh, influence of our words and what we're doing. And, and people are not coming to church to, to see how pretty the building is. And sometimes that's impressive. I've walked into church buildings and thought, wow, man, look at this. This is just beautiful. But how many knows that's not what it's going to take, amen, in this day of trouble, in this day of wildfires that are burning out of control across our country. It's going to take a real fire. I got a video this week that was sent to me and in California. They shut the the churches down and, and mandated that they close and, and it looked to me like there was probably two or three thousand people that went down somewhere and got under a bridge and started worshiping God and the next thing you know the glory was falling and I was sitting down there in my den the other morning nobody else was awake and I was watching that and tears were running down my face and I had my hands up in the air and from all over the country and around the world I was watching those little things pop up people were saying I'm here praising God in Illinois I'm here praising God over here in this country I'm over and I thought, God, the devil might think he can shut this down. Are you hearing me? We need to kindle a fire, hallelujah, right here where we are. Glory. I, I want to, the Bible says, uh, John Gill said this about this, this phrase, behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And he said, what vast quantities of wood, large forest, stately buildings, and populous towns and cities are at once seized upon by a little fire, a few sparks. I'm thinking of the great Chicago fire uh, uh, from our history and the great uh, San Francisco fire from our history. And in a, a short time, the entire city laid in ashes and laid in waste. 
And when we think like this, there was a, a Jewish scribe in the second century, and his name was Ben Sirah. And one of his proverbs he wrote said this. He said, burning fire kindles great heaps. And then he said, let's kindle a holy fire in our day. <laughs> Hallelujah. A fire that will burn. Amen. And, and bring down to the ground the destructive forces of hell. Are you hearing me? I'm here to tell you that when we get the fire of God going, nothing's going to put it out. Nothing can stay the hand of the Lord. Nothing can silence the voice of God. Woo, glory to God. Nothing can shut down your worship. You can get to a place where you catch on fire. You hear me, everybody in the building, listen. You catch on fire, somebody will come to watch you burn. Hallelujah. God will do something with you, but you've got to catch on fire. Just all right. Amen. I want to just talk to you just for a moment about three things that the Lord touched my heart with. And first of all, in the Bible, there's much reference to fire. I ain't got the time to preach all the different references. I will, of course, tell you about fire in the upper room because that's the one I'm concerned with right now, the Holy Ghost fire. But can I tell you that in the Old Testament, there was a fire for a sacrifice. I read about Nadab and Abihu who put fire in a censer and went in to worship God, but it was strange fire. It didn't come from the altar. It didn't come from the place of sacrifice. There's a fire for sacrifice in Genesis chapter 22, the Bible said, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. Abraham's taking him up there to Mount Moriah. He's going to sacrifice him. He's going to offer him up to the Lord. And he said, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood. Now, I know that what most people key on in this verse is, but where's the lamb? We know God's going to provide a lamb. But God spoke to me and said, did you notice that Abraham was the one carrying the fire? I said, I've seen it, Lord. He said, that's what I've called you for. <laughs> well, glory. He said, I've called my church to be the people that carry the fire to the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And, uh, and uh, verse 80 said, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Watch this. For a burnt offering. Uh, you know what God was saying? He was saying, and, and Isaac understood. Abraham was saying to him, listen, this sacrifice has got to be offered to God with fire. Amen. Where there's no fire, amen, that means there's no acceptance. Hallelujah. If that offering is not burnt, if it's not burnt on the altar of sacrifice, listen, today we've got people that like, uh, you know, they like the logos, they like the pretty music, they like things to be uh, just as long as they can control it. But I've come to tell what God's looking for in his church in this day. There's a group of people that'll carry the fire into the house and kindle the flame and let the thing go up and blazes. Come on, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. I'm talking about we need to let the glory of God just erupt in our house, in our lives, in our prayer life, in our worship services. My God, we need the fire, Brother Jim. It needs to burn from the front to the back and it will not burn. Amen. If you don't carry the fire to the place of worship. You need to take the fire with you. Hallelujah. Glory. Give him praise if you would. Verse 9 said they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar, laid the wood in order, bound his son, laid him up on the altar on the wood. The next step of course was Abraham stretched forth his hand 
took the knife to slay his son. Verse 12, and God said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went, took the ram and offered him up. Are you hearing me? Offered what God had provided. Offered what God had given instead for a burnt offering instead of his son. I want to tell you this, folks. The Bible said in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh and said God has provided the sacrifice but Abraham carried the fire. Are you hearing me? I want to say this, thank God. God has provided the sacrifice. Amen. And I want to tell you when, when the body of Christ comes back to the cross and begins to recognize that everything I need has been paid for at Calvary. Are you hearing me? Even with his stripes were healed. The blood of Jesus bought my healing. The blood of Jesus bought my salvation. The blood of Jesus bought the baptism of the Holy Holy Ghost and caused the veil of the temple to be rent when he died on that cross so that the glory could be revealed and I can I shout it if we'll come to the house of God and come to the cross and carry the fire with us hallelujah I believe that that's the answer that we're looking for that's what we need today to see revival hit we need to come from the cross come to the cross get blood washed carry the fire of the Holy Ghost you'll see God re institute revival and healing and miracles my God there's about to be a breakthrough and you don't need to depend on the pastor you don't need to depend on the worship leader you need to come in in the door carrying the fire oh hallelujah we need to kindle the fire we need to start a fire we need a revival and God's looking to us to get it done oh give him praise Oh, Lord, fire for a sacrifice. It's the requirement for restoration. When Israel had sinned and Jezebel and Ahab had led the whole nation down a path to hell, they were worshiping Baal. God had cut them off. They'd been in a three and a half year drought. God had shut the heavens. Are you hearing me? And Elijah went upon Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the groves. And Elijah went up there and built two altars. (laughs) Hallelujah. I was thinking Don Brinkle said when he built those altars, one for Baal and one for himself, said them them, them Baal worshipers would cheat. They'd build an altar and put a pilot light under it. Does anybody know what a pilot light is? That's a one little fire that burns all the time. Keep your furnace so it kick on when the gas is shot to it. And old uh, Brinkle said, said that bunch of cheaters would have a pilot light going. And they'd cry and cry and wail and carry on. While nobody's looking, they'd, they'd throw oil in the fire and it would blaze up. And said Elijah was on to them. So Elijah said, boys, we're going to do this different. We ain't going to have no pilot light. So they prayed from morning till noon. They cut themselves. They jumped on the altar. The futile uh, exercises of religion without God. Can somebody say amen? I've seen people do it. They'll start early in the morning. They'll do everything they can till about noon and then they have to run off to the restaurant. Somebody help me because there ain't no fire falling. Hallelujah. 
Boy, I've seen fire fall and take the whole day over. Woo! I remember one time we had a church, another church, a denominational church called me and said, can we use your baptistry Sunday afternoon? I said, absolutely. They said, well, we'll have our morning service and we'll go to lunch. And said, about two o'clock, said, we'll come out there. I said, I'll have the, the baptistry filled up and the water warm. You all come on. I didn't know that that morning the Holy Ghost was going to blow the place up. He interrupted. At 2 o'clock they came. People were laying all over the floors, up and down the aisle. The power of God was so strong in here. It was like a fog. And uh, we were just having church. I, I mean, it seemed to me like it had been a few minutes. And 2 o'clock I, I happened to look up and that whole bunch was standing up there in that balcony. And they was big-eyed. And they was looking, and I thought, oh, Lord, what are we going to do about this? And directly the pastor come down, and I said, my brother, I said, man, I'm sorry. He said, don't you say you're sorry for nothing. He said, I don't understand it, but I felt it when I drove in the parking lot. I knew something different was happening here today. He said, when I walked through the door, he said, it crawled up and down. It crawled all up and down my back. Hallelujah. He said, I've never seen this, but he said, man, it feels good. I said, well, then why don't y'all just come on down? Hallelujah. Woo. Are you hearing me? We need a fire that'll overtake our plans. Hallelujah. We need a fire that'll turn us back. Fire is the requirement for restoration. I'm going to hurry, Elijah. You know the story. Baal's prophets, they, they, they wailed and hollered and carried on until the time of the evening sacrifice. Then Elijah said, here's what we're going to do. We're, we've got our altar built, so we've dug a ditch around it. We're going down there at that Mediterranean Sea. It hadn't rained three and a half years. And, and I used to wonder where they got the water from until I went there and I stood up on that Mount Carmel and I seen the Mediterranean Sea right down there within walking distance. And so they went down there and they got water and they carried it up there by the barrels full and they poured it all over that sacrifice and, and they drenched that sacrifice. And, and somebody said, why'd they do that? Elijah wanted to know there wasn't no pilot light under there. Can you say amen? Because the God that answers by fire, he is God. So Elijah said to the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. Let them give us two bullocks. Let them choose one for themselves. Cut it in pieces. Lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it. I'll dress the other bullock. Lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And you call on the name of your gods. I'll call on the name of the Lord and the God that answers by fire. Let him be God. And the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Can I tell you, people recognize the credibility of fire. Can you say Amen. Yeah, I mean, when fire falls, they may criticize it till they see it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've had more than one say, I don't understand this Pentecostal stuff. But when it gets on them, hallelujah, when they get near it, when they feel it, they see it, they experience it. Many of them, when they need somebody healed, that's who they call. Are you hearing me? There's something about fire. It has credibility. Hallelujah. You can't fake it. No, you can't fake fire. I've been in places where they called it fire and it wasn't nothing but emotionalism. Let me move on. I don't want to offend nobody. So all of a sudden, he said, he starts praying. He says, hear me, O Lord. That in verse 37, those people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their heart back again. And verse 38 says what? The fire of the Lord fail. Touch your neighbor and say it, fail. Praise God. That's what I'm looking for today. I want it to fall. 
It's, 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 it's necessary for restoration. The fire of the Lord failed. It consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, licked up the dust, and the water that was in the trench. I've been there. There ain't nothing on top of that mountain but a bald rock. Nothing will grow there till this day. Can you say amen, somebody? Fire changes everything around it. Glory to God. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. So fire, amen, is the fire of a sacrifice, the fire of restoration. Be careful of strange fire. I mentioned this earlier in Leviticus 10 and 1, Nadab and Abihu. The Bible said the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which God had not commanded them. And a fire went out from God and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And, and Moses said to Aaron, this is that that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come near me, and before all this people will I be, will be glorified. And Aaron, their father, held his peace. He would not say a word against the fire of God. Are you hearing me? Strange fire. In this day, we don't need some worked up something that somebody else designed. Neither do we need to try to go back and, and uh, you know, mimic what somebody else did in the past. We need to get the sacrifice right. We need to get the altar right. We need to carry our fire. Can you say Amen. It doesn't need to be strange fire. It needs to be the Holy Ghost and fire. We used to sing it's the Holy Ghost and fire and it's keeping me alive. Glory to God. I appreciate real fire. Hallelujah. When Marbley's mother was dying, or they thought she was over in a little hospital they had at Lancaster and I went to see her and I walked in the room. When I walked in, she's laying there covered up. All you could see was a little eyes gleaming under that cover and I walked in the room where she was at and God had raised her from the dead at King's Tabernacle probably 40 years before that she fell dead in a service one night down by the altar died they took pulse they, they, they called for help to come and I think for 15 minutes they, they just said she's dead no breathing no heartbeat and her son-in-law got down on the floor and started praying for her, for God to raise her up. He prayed so fervently that God baptized him in the Holy Ghost while he was praying. And after a while, her eyes opened and she got up and started shouting. Now that's true, that's, that's, that, that happened. The King's Tabernacle, Brother King was there. And so she's laying in that hospital bed. She's covered up. We all called her Granny. I walked in the room. I said, Granny, how you feeling? She said, Pastor, my body is cold. Life is slipping away. She said, I don't know what God has in store, but if he's taking me, I'm ready. And she said, but I am so cold. And I said, well, how is it with you and the Lord? She said, well, the old body's cold, but she said, down in here, she said, there's a fire that's been burning now to 50 years and said, it's still burning. <laughs> Hallelujah. After a while, I seen a little hand come out from under the cover. <laughs> Directly the other hand came out from under the cover. The next thing I knew, she was talking in tongues and she threw the cover off and she started shouting. Well, about that time, one of the nurses walked in the room and she wasn't a saved person. She told me later she wasn't. She walked in. and When she walked in, she went, ooh. 
I was there, I said, what's wrong? She said, there's something in here. I said, no, it's somebody. <laughs> it ain't something, it's somebody. She said, who is it? I said, it's the Holy Ghost. She said, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. God raised that woman up. She got out of that hospital and went home and lived for some time after that. I'm here to tell you that, that there are, there's a fire that started in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. The Bible said... On the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, they were with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. Watch this. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat on each of them. Somebody told me it was just for the 12. I said, no, sir. There's about 108 more got it at the same time that the 12 got it. Can you say Amen. And so it just kept spreading. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, let me conclude with this. Our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. God don't want you just to have the smell of smoke on you, honey. Woo. God don't want you dabbling around in the ashes of somebody else's fire that they started a long time ago. I rubbed shoulders with some of them great old preachers who've gone to be with Jesus now, but I caught on fire for myself, and I've maintained it. I intend to keep it. Hallelujah. It's a consuming fire. Glory to God. Glory. I preached Barberville camp meeting one time. The afternoon service and camp meeting back then was a big deal. That camp meeting at Barberville and, and that one at Richlands, Virginia, was all the Appalachian people went to those two camp meetings. There wasn't nowhere else much to go for real camp meetings. And so we'd started supporting the home and we went up to the camp meeting. And I'll never forget this. I'd been up there a couple of days and been all them preachers lined up. They was, they was, you know, that place was packed every night. They was three, four hundred or more in the day services. It was big. And there's 50 or 75 preachers sitting down on the front about all the time. And I was hearing all that great preaching, just taking it in. I was a young preacher. And uh, old brother Hensley ran the camp back then. And I was there after lunch one day. And uh, brother Hensley came up to me and he said, are you that brother Moody? I said, well, I'm one of them. I don't know if that's the one you want or not, but I'm one of them. He said, you've got that Richmond House of Prayer. That's how he talked, that church in Richmond. I said, yes, sir, that's, that's me. He said, good, you're preaching tomorrow afternoon. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, he said, I've got you on the schedule. He said, you're preaching tomorrow afternoon. I thought, wow. I mean, it's... You know, big names was there, Clinton, and all the people was there. And uh, I thought, I can't preach among these guys. I said, I feel like the, you know, like the mule in the derby, if you've ever heard that or not. So one of them old third reds looked over him and said, son, you ain't got a chance. He said, I know, but I'm just proud to be running with you boys. <laughs> That's sort of how I felt. And uh, they had me on the schedule that next day, and I picked up the schedule looked at it, and Tinsley Rector was preaching in front of me, great preacher out of Indianapolis, been preaching Lord, have mercy, at that time, 50 years. And I thought, have mercy, I'm going to preach behind Tinsley Rector. And Tinsley got up there, and man, it, he was like that statesman. I mean, it just rolled out of him. The glory came down. And they didn't do altar call. They, they got up and introduced me, and I come up. And oh, it, all I had was it's high time we wake out of our sleep. 
for salvation is near them when we believe what you use for the awakening. I mean, I couldn't get nothing else. I thought, God, all I've got some verses of Scripture. They, but when I went up, he said, we just want you to preach 15 minutes. I said, Lord have mercy. I'd stand on my head for 15 minutes. <laughs> I can make it. And I got up there and I said, I'm just honored to be here. And that's about all I said. And I said, I want to read this text. And I read that text. And I don't know what happened after that. The fire of God fell. It's like the Holy Ghost turned me inside out. I don't even remember what I said. I remember it was just coming out of me like a Gatling gun. It was just, just man, coming out of me in power. And in 15 minutes, it's like, just shut off. And I turned and I looked around at Brother Hensley and I said, I'm done. And I started to walk off. And Brother Hensley started to the platform and old Brother Rector jumped up and said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He come to the platform, big tears running down his face, big old man, big hands. And he said, my God, what we've just heard, and we're not going to have an altar call. What's wrong with you people? He said, I've been for months telling myself it's time to slow down. It's time to retire. It's time to back off. It's time to take it easy. And he said, I just heard the Lord say, what are you going to do with the time you got left? Hallelujah. It's time not to sleep but to wake up. And that old man called into the altar and by the hundreds they came. And I, I want to tell you, this fire will change you and change your direction. Hallelujah. If you'll give in to it. Amen. Let me say this, Nick. Come on. Uh, when you read the words, our God is a consuming fire. Of course, we know that from Hebrews, but it's also in Deuteronomy. In chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 20, But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to, him, uh, to be unto him a people of inheritance as you are this day. Moses said, furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swear that I should not go over Jordan, that I should not go into that good land which the Lord your God giveth thee for an inheritance. But I must die. Now listen, this is Moses. He's saying, God called you to be his inheritance and God's not going to let me go in. He's telling me that I have to die in this land, verse 22, but I must not go over Jordan but you will go over Jordan and possess that good land. A generation would die there uh, in, in the wilderness, the book of Numbers, and you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Numbers is the account of what happened in the wilderness. When you read Numbers, it says, the Lord, the first verse says, spoke unto Moses in the wilderness. The Jewish rabbis to this day don't call it Numbers. They call it the book of in the wilderness. That's, that's the title of it. And so there was this accounting of what happened. And that generation died in the wilderness. And Moses said, and I have to die. The only two that you know that were allowed to go over were Joshua and Caleb because they brought back the good report. So he said, verse 23, take heed unto yourselves. Be careful lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you. And you get over there and you make yourself a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord God has forbidden thee. Then here it is as a warning. For your God is a consuming fire. Your God is a consuming fire. That's a warning. Can you say amen? But in Hebrews, it's there as a promise. God will set you on fire. Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. 
Let us have grace that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. If we serve him, he'll consume us. Amen. John said, there's one coming after me. I'm not worthy to bear his shoes. I baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He'll he'll thoroughly, is what King James says, he'll completely purge his his floor. And while he's doing it, he'll burn up the chaff. Are you hearing me? That's what I'm talking about. There's a fire that burns up chaff. It burns out fear. It burns out disease. It burns out ungodliness. It burns out perversion. Come on. We need Holy Ghost fire back in the church today to consume the chaff. Woo. Bring out of that fire that unblemished, untarnished, untainted, pure harvest that God's preparing for himself, a bride without spot or blemish. Who are you? Who are you today? Look at your neighbor, even if it's your wife, and say, who are you? What are you? You might say a lot of things to that. You might say, I'm a worship leader. I'm a missionary. I'm a preacher. I'm a real estate agent. You might say, I'm an engineer. And pairs back here. You might say, I run a food bank ministry. Raymond, we might say, I build buildings and do roofs. I'm asking you, who are you? Who are you, Brian? A preacher? More than that. Who are you, Jim? Man of God, a preacher? Yeah, but more than that. You are a kindled fire. You're a firebrand. That's what the Bible said. Zechariah, amen. Joshua the priest would stand there and his garments were dirty and Satan stood to accuse him. And the Bible said the Lord rebuked him and said, he's a firebrand, he's a torch that I pulled right out of the fire. You'll not take him down. You might feel a little spotted this morning. You might feel a little cold this morning. I'm telling you, I'm here to start a fire today. Is anybody here to catch on fire? Come on, is anybody here to really catch on fire for God? Well, if I catch on fire, I'll burn up good. That's what we want. We want you to burn up to where they don't see anything but Jesus and the glory of God. Oh, my last uh, 38 years, I guess it was, pastor in the house of prayer. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, that's Brother Moody's church. I'm hoping before I'm done, they just say, man, that's the glory of God down there. That place is on fire down there. You never know what's going to happen or who's going to do what. It's, it's God's church. Come on, somebody. And I understand they're speaking out of respect for who I am, but I want to be a fire. How many want to be on fire? Stand with me, would you? Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for real fire of God. Hallelujah. I've went to people that have backslid. I went to a preacher one time that had quit preaching, quit going to church, said he couldn't serve God because he wanted to kill a man. I said, well, that's not good. I said, why do you want to kill him? 
His answer shocked me. I, I expected him to say some horrible thing. But he looked at him and said he beat me out of $8,000. I said, so you're going to hell for $8,000. I said, man, if I had it, I'd write you a check right now. If that would fix it. But that's not what the problem is. He glared at me. He said, what are you talking about? I said, the problem is you've let unforgiveness put your fire out. Right then when I was talking to him, I realized it hadn't gone completely out because there was a little ember in there of life. And in a few moments, tears was running down his face and he had his hands up in the air saying, oh God, I'm sorry. And he was dying with cancer, but he got back to God. Are you hearing me? I, I said that to say this. You might feel like your fire's really back gone stir it up I grew up in a farmhouse we was poor we had a warm morning stove in the kitchen we burned coal in it no heat upstairs no heat the only place we had heat was in that kitchen many times as a little boy I'd grab my britches put them on under the covers and hit the floor running to the fire to the stove Early before daylight, my old grandfather would get up and you could hear him doing something called shaking the grate. Somebody know what I'm talking about? That grate had a, at the bottom where it drew, it had a handle. You'd shake it and he'd shake it till the ashes fell through and you'd start seeing red coals fall. He knew that then there was some live fire in there. And he'd throw a little kindling in there. Next thing you know, you'd hear it cracking and popping. Then he'd throw a little more coal in there. Well, I'm going back to my roots. Some of y'all looked at me like, what in the world are you talking about? Them was good days. And I was a happy boy back then because I could get up and run to the fire. Are you hearing me? Maybe you just need to shake your grade a little bit this morning. Maybe you need to stir up the coals that's in you. Throw in a little fresh kindling. Spend a little more time in prayer. Turn off some of the stuff that you've turned on and get back into the Bible. Hallelujah. Let Facebook wait a while. It'll survive till you get back. And, and, and TikTok or whatever that is. And, and uh, Twitter. It'll, it'll be there when you come back. Am I preaching all right? We need fire back in the house. We need get back to prayer back to worshiping God back to getting alone with God and letting the fire fall on us hallelujah glory to God how many of us had those times where you got to praising God in the car and you got to shouting and before you knew it people was looking at you and you didn't, and you didn't care <laughs> hallelujah going down the street with your hands up there talking in tongues your eyes closed God driving the car I guess you need fire fire. Let's start a fire. This Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your wonderful love and grace. Thank you for the fire that's burning in us today. The embers that are still there smoldering, just waiting to be fanned and a little fuel added. God, if there's somebody here today whose fire has died down, who's grown cold in the Lord or maybe even backslid but 
there's a little spark in there this morning that's been aroused. Fan that today, God. Don't let us, don't let us, God, lose the fire of sacrifice for the sacrifice. Don't let us lose the fire for restoration. Don't let us be caught carrying strange fire, but the fire of God burning in our bosom. Jeremiah said, like fire in my bones. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. How many would say, Pastor, it's been a while since I've been on fire. I need some fire today. Is that you? Just raise your hand. Nobody's looking. God bless you. Somebody else hold your hand up. God bless you. Anybody else? Is there anybody here, Pastor? I've got away from God. I've grown cold. Hold your hand up. I need, I need God to move in my life. I need to be on fire today. How many would say, Pastor, I'm ready for the fire of revival. I want to be the one carrying the flame to the service. Praise God. I'm going to be the one prayed through and ready. Just hold your hand up. When I walk in, praise God, if that old dry thing gets near me, it'll catch on fire. Praise God. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. That's us. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.